Learning how to grow your business, that is your job. Being the one to do everything in your business, however, is not. Welcome to That's Not My Job, an introvert's guide to building a business beyond yourself. So I'm sitting here with the co-founder of Bad Marketing and one of my really good friends, Eddie Malouf. And we're going to be talking about really, I mean, where you're at today with your company and maybe the multiple companies that you're involved in, but also start peeling back to the beginning stages and having a conversation around what most people are wanting to listen to this podcast is they're like, I'm a solopreneur. I'm trying to figure out how do I start building a team? How do I start scaling a business? And, you know, really it's all about building a business beyond yourself is what we talk about. So, um, you know, diving in, Eddie, do you want to just talk about where, where is your company at today with, with bad marketing and just kind of high level, like how many team members, like where, where does the company sit in this state? And then I want to start peeling back, you know, some of the beginning stages. Yeah, so um, Bad Marketing right now currently sits at about like 180 uh, full-time team members. Uh, just three years ago, it was uh, basically three. It was uh, me, my <laughs> wife, and uh, my business partner currently. Uh, and at the time, I was actually, I had an exchange. I said, listen, I'll teach you for a few years. You work for free. And uh, for if, your business partner? My business partner, okay. yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> I just need help, right? I was like, <laughs> I was like, listen, like, I know you want to get into this world too, you yeah. know, uh, instead of you going and doing it and building something separate. I already have a lot of experience. Let me mm -hmm. teach you. You become like my right hand man. You help me grow this business a lot. And then I'll give you equity uh, when we reach X milestone. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's kind of how he became my business partner. And then, you know, my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, was kind of like our uh, part time graphic designer, to put it that way. <laughs> so uh, that was three years ago. And then here we are now with 180 members. So it's been a pretty uh, you know, exhausting journey. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a that's a lot of a lot of team members. I mean, I mean, most people that are listening are like, I want to get one person on my yeah, team yeah. to start figuring out getting some freaking help here. And so, I mean, obviously, going from zero team members, basically, and and that's where I think a lot of people listening are in that spot of like, it's them and maybe their husband or wife, or they like convince one of their like, you know older kids to just, you know, do free labor for them. And just like, we're figuring this thing out. Like, you know, we got to start selling some stuff and making some money before we could even think about, you know, bringing on a team member. So, you know, can you talk about that specifically? Like to the person that's like, I have never hired someone or to maybe the people that are like, they've tried to hire their first couple team members and it's been like a dumpster fire. It's like, they, they can't do what they hired them to do or they don't, you know, they're just having problems with that. You know, can you talk about maybe um, any, any lessons that you learned with those first couple hires? For sure. So a um, couple things I think that are super important when you're hiring your first team member um, is actually giving them the game plan. So like, a lot of us as as business owners, like it's all up here, right? It's all in our head. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we just think- Especially like, as visionary. Oh my gosh. <laughs> especially if you like, yeah, especially if you like found the business, you're like, everything's in your head and it's so simple in your head and you hire someone and you're like, cool, like here's what you need to do. Good luck. And then like you expect them to do it like you do it, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of the like just a huge disconnect, right? At the mm -hmm. end of the day. And so uh, basically what I advise people to do when they're first starting, when they're first hiring someone, uh, you're not gonna have enough money to hire someone who's like super experienced, right? Cause mm -hmm. you're just starting out this business, you can't afford to do that. And quite frankly, especially if it's your first hire, it's so hard to separate from that much money yeah. of income every month. So you need to hire someone who's less experienced. Mm -hmm. Because you're hiring someone who's less experienced, you need to give them as much information, as much processes, as much checklists, let's call it as possible, right? Yeah. SOPs, standard operating procedures. And so, 
one mistake I did was hiring these people just because I'm like, okay, they're cheap VAs, whatever it is. Like they can do something. It'll make me more money. Um, but looking back, you know, I wish I just like sat down for like an entire day and like wrote everything about their job that they have to do. Like, I mean, to the point, like every day what they need to be doing, their Monday needs to start like this and they need to focus on this and, and give them like the tasks that I need them to get done. And then give them the basically the overview, the goal that needs to be achieved. So for example, I hired someone, one of my first VA hires was a cold email outreach, right? Mm -hmm. Their job was to basically scrape a list of businesses that we want to work with. They'd send them the emails and then they basically put them in the sequence that they'd manage them through Google Sheets, blah, blah, blah. Looking back, if I gave them all the instructions and made it super clear and made it super obvious, we would have probably done way more revenue and he would have had much more output. But in my head, I'm like, whatever, it's 500 bucks a month. Worst case, I lose 500 bucks, I can hire this person. And so I think biggest lesson is like, make make them prepare to succeed and don't set them up for success because as business owners in our head, it's always so simple. It's always <laughs> so easy of how it's gonna happen and how we mm -hmm. understand it. But someone who isn't us, someone who doesn't work in this business every day for the last X amount of months or years, they don't understand that. And so the less qualified someone is, the more prepared you need to make them. Uh, and I think that's probably the biggest lesson to take away. Don't just hire someone, go and like write down every single minute of their time and what is the goal that they're trying to achieve. So like in my case, I need you to have a thousand emails a week and I need to get five clients a month from this email marketing. And so that's the big goal. And then here's all the tasks that you need to do to get us there. Yeah. Um, and if you outline the, the final goal as well as like the tasks that need to be done to get there and how to do them step-by-step, step, uh, you set them up for success, which sets you up for success as a business owner. And it's really, you know, there's lots to unpack in that, you know, and it's, it's you as the business owner kind of setting the rules of engagement, the rules of the game, you know, and I, I talk about that with our team sometimes is when we look at hiring someone new, it's, you know, if you're going to go and play soccer and like you just had a soccer ball on the field and you brought your, you know, a team out there and you're like, all right, play soccer. And they're like, well, I, I don't know how to play. Like, what does this mean? Like, what are the points? Like, they don't know the rules of the game. And like, as a business owner, what I found is it's like, we have to kind of create that, you know, uh, create the bumpers. Like if you're bowling, you know, you have to create the bumpers of like, this is where we're going. This is the direction. This is what it looks like. Another important thing that I heard you say, because I think sometimes people get caught up in like, I can't afford to hire the top talent. It's when you're first starting, what I've found and, you know, and, and what I've heard, you know, heard from what you were saying is you have to hire almost just more generalists than specialists. Like someone that's like, they got some grit, they have work ethic, they have like the general idea of the skills that they need to get the job done, but you can't really afford the person that you really need. You're just like, here's gonna be the path and you're gonna kinda have to figure out some of the stuff. They've the got way. potential. They've got potential, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the category. They've seen some things, you know? <laughs> you know, so that's the, the, the category of potential versus, you know, they have specialized skills, they've already done it multiple times. Most of the time you're not gonna be able to afford that person. Um, and so what would you say, because a lot of people do get discouraged when, you know, especially when they've hired their first couple people. We're, you know, we're sitting here at a, at a conference and, you know, we've been talking to a couple people that they've hired people and then they're like, oh, I end up having to fire them. You know, any, any lessons that you look back at on the first maybe five or 10 hires that you had and you're like, oh my gosh, like I, I am never gonna do that again or we should never do this particular thing again. Like, is there any lessons that like pop up in your head of like big mistakes that were made? Yeah, look, um, I wouldn't say 
like a huge tangible thing that I can give, but I'll tell you like one thing that like we've completely changed about how we hire. And when we first started, it was like, you're hiring from a point of desperation Mm -hmm. when you're, when you're, when you're younger, like in business, you're like, I really need this person to do this thing. Mm -hmm. And so like, it's like, um, it's like, you know, when you, when you're going to like date a girl, right? Like when your options are slim and you haven't like dated, like one girl who comes who's below your standard, you might, you might be like so obsessed with her and think she's higher than your standard because like you don't have many options. Mm -hmm. And so the same goes in hiring. Like, I know it's a weird example, but like you, you need to explore more options before you just jump to a conclusion because the cost of someone coming and not working out is so much more than what people think. So like, yeah. I'll give you an example. Let's say it takes us three weeks to find someone. Okay. That's lost time. Yeah. Then we spend a month training them, not just of their time, but of our time and of our money yeah. training these people. Then like month two. So like whatever that is at this point, we're three months in between the time we started hiring and then they end up realizing they're not a good fit and they leave or we realize they're not a good fit and we fire them. We're out not only three months of time and money, but we're also out of three months of opportunity costs of yeah. what if we what if we took one month longer and found the right person mm -hmm. and they stayed? How much more money would we have made? Not just how much less would we have lost? Yeah. You know, in that situation. And so I challenge you as a young business owner to try to find the balance between waiting too long to find the right person and jumping too fast out of a point of desperation because you need that job done. Yeah. And so um, I would never make a hiring decision unless I have three names on the table that I feel like any one of them could be a good choice. Mm -hmm. um, and that also mitigates your risk because if someone comes in two weeks in, you realize it's not the right choice, you can just go jump to one of the other two people remaining. Yeah. Versus if you just take an only option, uh, they're an only option. So they know that they have more leverage with you as a business owner. Um, and then also like you have no other options if it doesn't work out now you have to restart the hiring process. And so I think that's a very important lesson. Don't hire from a point of desperation. It's very easy to, it's like very difficult not to do. I still do it at this point in my business. Like if someone leaves and I have to get someone in like a two week period, I'll take yeah. someone that I don't love, but I'm kind of like, really I'm like, this could be a problem, yeah, yeah. but they know what they're doing. Hopefully you know what I mean? Out. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> Um, I would just like, and, and when you're younger in business, you can afford to take more time. Like yeah. you don't have burning expenses of payroll and all these things happening over your head. So spend a few more weeks, get a few more candidates, put a little bit more effort in the hiring process. And I think, uh, it'll come out with, with a, a lot more fruitful of a result. Yeah, no, I, I find that, you know, super, super helpful. And like, you know, things that we've learned along the way of, you know, hiring people is like, there is more than one person in the world that can probably do the job you know that that was a mistake that we would make early on is like we'd have one great interview after we had like three crappy ones and we're like this has to be the person shut down the interview yeah process. turn it turn off, off the turn ads. off the ads this is it this is it this is this is the one this is the one and then you hire them and then we turn them back on yeah, turn them back yeah. on <laughs> <laughs> like this did not work out and uh, i wish we had other candidates that we kept interviewing <laughs> So, you know, it's like, it's that battle of like, okay, you think you found someone great, but also like being okay to continue having some interviews just to maybe have a backup in, in your back pocket if it doesn't work out. Because the thing is that we found in this world is there are some people that they interview amazing and they're great at that Professional process. Professional interviewers, which is, you know, looking back, it's probably because they do it so often. Bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're trained. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, having to, having to, you know, sift and, and work through that. Um, let so me, let me, let me say something on yeah. that. It's very important. So like hiring someone is like dating someone. Okay. Always, always on the first date, 
they're the best possible person that they are, right? They're, yeah. they're opening the doors for you. They're paying the bills. <laughs> they're, you know, they're engaging with conversation. They're not being lazy. And guess what? Three months into the relationship, all of a sudden you find out they're playing video games at night and they, they're ignoring you and they're not working out and they no longer open the door. <laughs> and so it's very important to understand that if someone's not going to be absolutely phenomenal in the interview process, you can only expect less of an output when they come and actually work for you. And so uh, be very cautious when you're interviewing someone because at the end of the day, a lot of people like Cody's saying are just polished interviewers, but absolutely horrible team members. 100%. And that, that was just making me think about as well. It's like, once you actually bring someone on board as well, you know, when you're a newer business owner, your onboarding is going to be kind of like, get started and uh, we're going to pay you and kind of follow me around and do some of the stuff. Yeah, like that's yeah, going to yeah. be, you know, that's kind <laughs> of what it is when you're, you know, that's what it's going to be for most people when they're starting. But one of the things that, you know, I've found is if that person, you know, they were amazing in the interview and then they get started in the role and then they're like, lackluster performance and they're not doing that great after you've really shown them the game plan of like this is what it looks like for it to be successful here these are the tasks that you need to do oftentimes i've found i don't know about you but maybe we don't have any unicorns here in arizona where we mainly hire but i don't often see people like significantly get better like it's usually someone is they perform not great and they usually don't get that much better or they perform great and they're great I don't, I don't know if you've had any experiences with that or if you see, like obviously like if, taking a C player and making them an A player. Yeah, taking a C player and making them an A player. Like, yeah, I just, I, I totally agree with you. I can, I, I've had people jump from like a very hardworking and dedicated. And I think, look, I think the, the trait is actually curiosity. Yeah. They, they have a trait of curiosity. It's like optimistically curious about improving. I, exactly. And like, oh, what's that thing? Oh, I want to learn more about it. And then they take their time to dig into it to yeah. become really good at it. And so yeah. I think curiosity is actually one of the most overlooked traits when you're talking oh, about so jumping good. from like a B player to an A player. You know, yeah. it, it requires curiosity. If they're yeah. just good at their job and they're hardworking, it's very hard to bridge that gap. They will stay, yeah. a, they'll move to a B plus. Yeah. But to move to an A plus, you need curiosity. And if you think about it, like as a business owner, when we first start businesses, we start them from a, we learn from a place of curiosity, right? We're yeah. like, uh, for example, me in the marketing world, uh, I needed to build a landing page. How do I build a landing page? And then I spend all day reading articles, watching videos, mm -hmm. learning everything I possibly can to build a landing page. I don't just go, oh, okay, that's a little too hard. Uh, I'll let someone else do it. There is no one else to do it. And so <laughs> <laughs> from a place of curiosity, you build on those skill sets. And so my most talented people that I've watched go from a B player just because of skill set yeah. to an A plus player because of skill set and uh, effort at that mm -hmm. point is because they're curious. They go home and they learn after work. Like yeah. they spend time educating themselves. They polish their skills. They don't just show up, do the mundane work and stay in the same place for the next two years. Yeah. That's so interesting that you say that too. Cause I, I talk to our team a lot, a lot about that when, when they're like, you know, how, like, what are some of the other, other things that I could do to grow within the organization? And like, we try to show them the path of like what that can look like. And that's something, you know, I'm consistently harping on is like, there has to be a curiosity of like continuing to improve the skill. Like, I think one of the things that is like, the determining factor for me of like who I see is going to grow in leadership in our company is it's that high teachability index. It's like not, it's coming from a place of humbleness, no matter how smart or talented or hardworking somebody is, it's like, 
being okay to not that you don't know everything and that there's more to learn. I mean, I don't know about you, but like the more I learn, the more that I learn that I do not know. And the more that I need to just be humble about, I don't know a lot of things and I need to continue to learn, you know? And it's like having those team members and I'm sure you've experienced it where you have people that they just think that they're freaking, they're the and that they're amazing and they do a good job. But oftentimes what I found is like, as the company grows, those people end up being outgrown because they were the when the company was doing a million a year or five million a year, but now it's as it grows, it's like you didn't grow, so yeah. now you're stuck. So there, I have two. So I have seven total core values, but I have two core values that are in my company that are super important. One is nobody is bigger than the team, mm-hmm. so I don't have room for that. Yeah. You know, if someone comes in here and they, I fired. Put it this way, I fired someone who the team voted as the smartest person in the company. I fired them because they were they thought they were bigger than the team. Like too smart, like too smart. Yeah. They (laughs) thought because they were smart, they thought that they could do things their own way and not help team and all the rules. And the number two is always be growing. And so like, if those two things are not embodied in that person, then they're just not a good fit for our team. Mm -hmm. Especially when you're a young business, you hit this like exponential growth out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And if your team is not ready to always be growing, Mm -hmm. they will get outgrown by the business. Like it's, you know, business will go from, you know, a hundred K a year, to 400K a year, to all of a sudden 2 million a year, then we'll go to 10 million a year. It's like things just start jumping so quickly that like if you're not in a position as a team member to always be growing, Mm -hmm. uh, then you're gonna get left behind. And it happens all the time at the end of the day. And I try to spot that before we get in that situation. Yeah. Uh, And now that it's our core value, which, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're listening to this and you're starting, like that's the first thing I would do. And and here's here's the crazy part. I used to go to conferences. I dude, I've paid people I paid someone $50,000 for a day. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the first thing they talked about was like, what are your core values? I'm like, what, what are we talking about, bro? I, was like, like, I need to increase my revenue. I need to increase my revenue. What Can is- we talk about some tacticals? <laughs> I paid you 50 grand and I flew here. Like, what are your core values? And it's like, every time I paid someone who was like that expensive or near that expensive, that was the first conversation we're having for like the first hour. And I'm like, man, it must be that important. I used yeah. to always blow it off. I'm like fluff. Let's get to the tactical yeah, fluff, stuff all fluff, the time. Yeah, really, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. I hated it. And now it's like literally our core culture. It's like, it's like the 10 commandments were for Christianity. You know yeah, what I mean? It's like, yeah. that's what it is for our company. Um, and I think it's so important to have that where people can like name every single one, they embody them and that is what it is. And so if you look at like the difference of people who are growing and not growing, you and I are sitting here in this conference, right? We're spending time learning from other people at the end yeah. of the day here. Um, and we could have easily been like, oh, we know everything and we don't need to be here and let's go home and leave. Like you and I just had a conversation about it. You're like, you know, we're talking, we're like, what's the plan for the next day and the rest of the day? And I was like, I I would like to watch the rest of the speakers because I am getting value from these other people that are speaking on different subjects that maybe I don't know as much about. And all it takes is like one little thing here and there compounding over time uh, to keep growing. And I think a lot of people don't think like that. They think, oh, I already know everything, or this information is useless to me, or they find excuses to not educate themselves further. And I think it kind of puts them in a stagnant state of, uh, of mind and growth personally. 100%. And and I think when, when you're staying in that place, it's, 
it's there's always more that's available and it kind of I think it's keeps like an abundance mindset too like where it's like there's always more to learn so there's always that means there's always room to grow and improve and be better and the companies can always be better and there's always new things that we can do because there's information out there that we just don't know that if we like information changes situations and like when we get that new information we can go implement it and it's like you go to conferences or events and learn these things and it's like you can leave with a sticky note of like three things and like just go do those three things and it's like everything can change or it's one relationship you know that you meet at an event or connect with at an event too uh so i want to shift gears a little bit so a lot of people that listen to this podcast they're you know maybe they're introverts or they're just you know their operations you know more focused individuals you know, how, how would you recommend, because obviously you're a visionary, how would you recommend that these operations people or people that maybe are more, you know, more shy, I guess, get themselves in, in a working environment with, you know, visionaries that are doing things at a high level? Like, how would you suggest someone go and maybe they want to partner with a visionary or maybe they just want to go work for them and make a great income as an operator in their business. Like how would you say that an introvert or this, you know, operator integrator type person should, you know, be putting themselves out there in, in the eyes of a visionary that you'd see is valuable that you'd want them to come and work alongside you. Yeah. So, uh, I'll tell you this, uh, as a visionary, when I talk to integrators, uh, when they're timid and they're introverted, mm-hmm. <laughs> I usually like that. Yeah. Honestly, as a visionary, because I look at them and I'm like, cool, this is a guy for that job. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and that's okay. Like, I don't want my integrator to like be the guy that wants to go to conferences and create content and go on stages. Like yeah. that is that is a risk to his role because yeah. that's not what his actual role is, yeah. right? At the end of the day. And so um, I think one, like it's a strength, it's not a weakness. Yeah. And so I think it's important to understand that. And if you're gonna work with a good visionary, they will understand that that is a strength and not a weakness. And mm-hmm. so in these conversations, approach it with confidence, knowing that it's actually a strength of yours that you don't want to do those things. Uh, and because usually the visionary is the person who wants to do those things. And mm-hmm. so it's a perfect match. I always tell people when they, when they first start hiring someone to hire for your weaknesses. So like if you're the timid introverted operator, who's like really good, uh, behind the scenes and running the company and making the processes, like you don't want to just go get another one of you. You yeah. want to go get someone who's like really good at talking, who wants to be on camera, who wants yeah. to speak on stage, who wants to lead the company and be the manager and all yeah. these other things. Um, and so one, don't don't look at it as a weakness, look at it as a strength. Two, you're a perfect fit in that scenario. And so I would recommend partnering rather than working with someone because mm-hmm. if you find the right visionary, someone you know like myself, like Pace, for example, like not that I'm putting us on an equal pedestal here, but just like, those are people that are going to go and like grow the company forward. And if you're an operator who can find someone like that, who's good, they need you and you need them. And, uh, it's, it's very, it's a lot easier to spot a good visionary than it is a good (laughs) operator. Right. Because like you can kind of tell from the visionary, like, is this someone I would follow? Is this someone other people would follow as an integrator? It's like, you could say you're the best and then get in, you're the worst. You know what I mean? It's kind of like only through implementation find out. So you're kind of as an advantage, being the integrator because like you can spot the right visionary whereas a visionary it's a little bit harder it takes a little more trial and error to spot the right um integrator and so i would challenge you to just put yourself out there reach out to people like this who are in smaller companies who clearly are doing a good job externally and representing the company well and being good thought leaders etc because all these guys i'm telling you it's their biggest problem is not having a you 
in the yeah. business. And like, no matter what size, dude, I talk to people who are like making $10 million a year and they're like, well, I'm like, what's your biggest problem? I need an integrator. I need an integrator. You know and what I mean? The back end is a mess. It's unorganized and I don't know what's going on. Exactly. But we're selling a bunch of stuff. Exactly. Right. <laughs> and that's really the best case scenario, honestly. Like it's like building the plane while it's flying in a way. Right. Uh, I like, I like to always say like, uh, if, if we're driving the car and pieces aren't falling off while we're driving, we're not driving fast enough. So we need to drive fast enough for the pieces fall off, but we can still put them on. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, and so it's, it's easy for you as a integrator to go find someone like that. And, uh, and all their businesses are a mess. Yeah. Don't let them fool you. I asked, um, I asked someone who's like really high up in Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, how can I get my business as tight as yours? Like, how can I just have a business that just is so smooth, so synergistic, and his response was, just stay in business for a hundred years. <laughs> I'm like, that's really discouraging, but like also it, it makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah, like they've been in business time. for a hundred years yeah. and that's why their business, it's like, it's still a show, bro. Yeah. It's just a more organized show than you yeah. have. And so yeah. it makes sense, just stay in business longer. And so uh, all these businesses are a mess. And as an integrator, I think like even just reaching out and having a conversation and seeing if someone wants that, like there is such a strong need for it. I would just like recommend you break your, your mindset belief that telling you that you are not as valuable or uh, there is no need for it. You are the most valuable person in this world because the visionaries like me need someone like you to be able to really tap our full potential. Uh, and without you, then we're basically playing an offense defense game where we're growing the business and we're like running and trying to fix things and growing the business and trying to fix things. Whereas like, if I just grew the business the whole time, yeah. uh, our business would be in a much better place. Yeah, that makes sense. And and that's a, it's interesting, you know, as far as like the value side, because I remember like going through my early 20s and everything online is you need to be a freaking closer or like marketing pro like this, like swipe up Lamborghinis. If you're not a closer, you're a horrible human being. Like that's like... <laughs> I mean, isn't isn't that the messaging that's like online? Basically, it's like you're either a gangster salesperson or marketer, or you're trash. <laughs> I, look, I think I think. <laughs> I mean, that's how I felt through my early twenties. I'm like, man, like I don't really like selling. Like, is something wrong with me? <laughs> I think I think the problem is social media has like made it feel like that because selling is um, such a revenue generating position. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That like it's like they've they've made it that sexy thing because you can go make money because you make more money because you're making the company more money yeah uh whereas yeah i mean lambos are sexy though you know (laughs) they are we both have one so (laughs) you know we can't say too much there but uh i definitely like for me as a visionary the sexiest position that i would want is someone who's amazing in operations yeah just handle and just keeping keeping things dialed in lined up and exactly it's like opposites attract type you know yeah I'm a great closer. I'm a great salesperson. I can make great content. I need someone who can like make sure that the car is in one piece yeah. while I'm driving it with the gas down. The time. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. And so, you know, it's like, and that's, and that's like one of the inspirations and like why I love sharing this message is like, there's a lot of people that, you know, we're in that boat that I felt where it's like, you feel like lesser than because you're like, well, this isn't like where my zone of genius is or like where my unique ability is. And so, you know, encouraging people that like leaning into the skill set that they do have and going and bringing value. And I would say that that's another thing just as a, like as a tip from me is for those of you that are wanting to go and build these relationships with visionaries like Eddie or, or, or others and, you know, super successful visionaries or even a visionary that has a small company that you see that there's potential there, but they're just a mess on the back end of their business. Like, 
you can go and lead with value. And that's one of the things that I think is also highly underrated is people, they're like, they're always tuned into the, you know, WIFFM. It's like, what's in it for me, mm-hmm. radio. And it's like, sometimes, especially when you're starting in business or you're trying to, you know, reach out to these relationships, like you have to put yourself out there and like see what you can do to lead with value. Like, can you go to a business owner that you look up to and give them something for free in exchange to show, look what I can do for you and look at me doing this for you for free. Imagine what we could do together if we were actually working in business and maybe at a partnership of some sort or profit share or something where they, you know, you can be more involved in their business. Cause I, that's another thing that I do see people make the mistake of is they're like, well, I just go to them and they don't want to pay me or whatever. It's like, dude, like, go work for free, like go bring the value, show your value. And then it's going to just be like, oh my gosh, I, if I don't have this person, like look what my business is going to be like. And it's super important what you said, work for free. So I, I started working for free yeah. and, and, and you know what, here's the thing. It's easier for me as a visionary, as an extrovert, as a sales guy to not work for free because like I can talk the talk yeah. in an interview. Mm-hmm. I can like make someone feel great. And like, from talking to me, they could feel, oh, wow, this is the guy I want. Yeah. Whereas like as an integrator, it's much more difficult to do that. Right. And mm-hmm. so like, it's okay to work for free for a month to show someone. I just had someone on my creative team who I was like, listen, we're not hiring. And he's like, I'll work for free for two months, three months. If you want show, I'll, I'll let me show you what I can bring to the table. And if you want to give me a job, give me a job. Mm-hmm. One month went by, not even two or three. Mm-hmm. And I gave him a job and yeah. I paid him salary. And I was like, I don't want you working for free anymore. So like, and that's just cause he got, came in the door. He was super shy, super timid, yeah. not a great speaker. Like yeah. I wouldn't have talked to him, but like, this guy's a savage, Yeah. but he's, he's like, honestly, like my favorite person on my team right now, like yeah. from a content standpoint. And so, uh, it's cool to see that work the way that it works. And I want to give some advice, um, for like integrators who are working with visionaries, you are all going through the same problem. Okay. You are stressed. It's okay. Visionaries <laughs> are we crazy. Li- we like to, <laughs> we like to change a lot of direction, you know, and we like to add a lot of pieces to the car, uh, very quickly. And, uh, I just want to give you a message. You know, we, we hear you. We don't care. We're still going, you know what I mean? But we, we definitely hear you and, uh, you're all going through it together. So just like, understand you got to balance, uh, the visionary is going to throw a lot of things at you. It's your job to try to balance it all together and come back not declining it, but prioritizing the things that need to be prioritized in that situation and <laughs> allowing them to understand what makes sense now and what makes more sense later. Mm. Um, I think that's very important. Like if you come back and you say, no, that's a horrible idea. We're not doing it. Not good feedback. If you come kiss back, of death to a visionary, death, right? <laughs> if you come back and you're like, Hey, that's a great idea. But based on what we have right now, I think we should do this first. And then maybe we can get to that one in like three months. You know what I mean? For these reasons, that is a lot more um, acceptable from a visionary standpoint. Less friction to do that. Less for friction sure. will get you a lot more f- uh, positive feedback. And uh, one one person I lost on my team, now he's back on my team, but he left for like a year and a half. Um, part of the reason was he's like, dude, like I work with you and like, we're always doing like projects. They're all sick and like, they're all awesome. <laughs> they're and they all, all make the us money. Yeah. <laughs> and like, he's like, but they're all a priority somehow. And like, <laughs> he's like, I can't do this anymore. Blah, blah. I need someone more organized. I'm going to go work somewhere else. <laughs> Guess what? Three months into that. I was like, so how is it? He's like, I think all CEOs are just the same. <laughs> they're all like, he's like, he's actually worse than you. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, cool, man. That makes me feel a lot better. And now you kind of understand that it's not just me. It's, yeah. it's the role that we're in. And so like as an integrator, I think you need to 
accept that and uh, don't like think that it's gonna get much better anywhere else. You just need to manage the expectations between you and the visionary mm -hmm. and help reprioritize rather than decline. And I think that'll create a lot less friction and uh, allow you guys to keep kind of growing together. That's super, that's super helpful. Cause I mean, I noticed that like as Pace and I started working together, we had a lot a lot of friction really in like the first year. Cause we, he'd be like, let's do this. And I'm like, bad idea. No, no, we shouldn't do that. So like we would, you know, naturally it would cause friction. Yeah, yeah. Cause that's like, you know, that's like the love language of a visionary is like yes. the word no is, <laughs> you know, the opposite of yeah, what they yeah, want to yeah. hear. So, you know, and, and, and that's something that I realized, like whenever I communicate with Pace and like telling me about this amazing idea of the hour uh, that he wants to implement yesterday, you know, it's like listening and like understanding what that is. And it's like, okay, like what are our priorities? And like acknowledging, like, that's a really cool idea. This is amazing. But like, where can we put this in like the priority list of the things that we want to do? And then like communicating like, hey, like on the priority list, like we have these other five things that we're working on. Would you want to see this shifted up to be done first? Or like, where would you like to see? Is this, this more important than that? Yeah. No, like, no, it's not. Oh, okay. Okay. okay so we'll no, keep that there. Okay, so cool. let's, okay. So that's cool. We can yeah. get to this, like at this time, if, you know, if we, if we're acknowledging together that this is the most important yeah. thing. Look, like, like they say, everyone, um, everyone's children are all their favorites Yeah. <laughs> until you have to really make a decision which one's your favorite, right? <laughs> And so it's the same with the priorities of a visionary, right? Yeah. They're all the priority yeah. until you have to drop one to keep the other. Then all of a sudden you quickly find out which one's the priority. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So, you know, kind of as, as we finish up here, you know, I want to ask you two questions, Eddie. And one is if you could only recommend one book to, you know, a, a solopreneur, like let's look at this as like somebody, a solopreneur, maybe they have one or they've tried to hire a second team member. They're like really, you know, probably sub 500K a year in revenue. Like what, what would be the book that you would recommend? So as a visionary, I'm not gonna listen to my integrator here and uh, I'm gonna give two books. Okay, two uh, books. Number one would be Traction. I think it's a very good- a Gina Wickman. Yep, very good book for uh, like business owners who are starting out, trying to understand the con concept of what we're talking about, visionary, integrator, how do they operate together? Mm -hmm. uh, how does that go? And then a more advanced book for like business operations and leadership in a business uh, is Scaling Up. Uh, I don't know exactly who the author is that of that is. It's a purple book cover. You can't miss it. Yeah, it has like the little, uh, it's like a, literally like a scale, like going up on the front of it. Oh, I'm really? like, yeah, Am I, I don't know. There's a bunch of different covers for yeah, it, yeah. but you can't miss it. Scaling up. Is it Vernie? Uh, Vernie something? I don't know, but it's, it's basically You'll Rockefeller habits. Like you can, it'll say it somewhere on the book, but uh, that's a really good one too. It'll help you kind of understand how to structure quarterly meetings, monthly meetings, uh, quarterly reviews of the company, create projections moving forward. Uh, things that people don't really do. We don't really get taught in school. Um, and it's kind of understanding how billion dollar companies operate. And if you can operate your million dollar company, like a billion dollar company, uh, it'll set you up in a much more successful position to become that billion dollar company. And so those are two books I think every single person in business needs to read. Love that. And so I would say the, the final question would be somebody that, you know, they've, they've been stuck for a while and they're maybe in a place of some discouragement. Like what would be like, cause obviously we all go through that in business. Like we're, you know, especially in those early days where you're just like banging your head against the wall and it just like feels like nothing's working. You know, what would you say is like maybe some of like your biggest words of encouragement for that person that's like maybe listening to this and they're just like, is it even worth it at this point? Like, is it worth it to go through all the pain and hardship to build a business beyond yourself? Like, what would you say to them? Look, it's always worth it. I, um, I've been in so many situations in tears, literally in tears because I've spent 
a year, two years building a company or doing something that I wanted to. Um, and then it all fell apart and I realized I had no control over it. And, uh, it's again, I know I use so many dating analogies. It's just so easy, but like <laughs> if you go and you, you date a girl, right. And, uh, or a guy, depending on, you know, which side you are there. Um, if you go and date someone and that relationship is great for a year and then it doesn't work out and you have a bad breakup or they cheat on you, let's go super extreme. They cheat on you here. Are you just not going to date anyone else forever? Like, are you just like relationships aren't for me because I got cheated on like that's some mentality bro you're gonna go out there and you're gonna start dating someone else and then you're eventually gonna get to that goal of getting married and having kids or whatever it is for you and so it goes the same in business you know what I mean like you're gonna get cheated on you're gonna break up with people it's gonna be the same thing just like in a relationship but like the end goal is to create that freedom for yourself and uh, eventually jobs for other people and building a bigger company and so like you're gonna have to go through those things to get there uh, and if you're not willing to do it, then you'll never get to the finish line at the end of the day. And so don't be discouraged. It's part of the process. Uh, just like dating at the end of the day, you're going to have these problems. And so I think it's important to remember that. And I know it's like such a stupid analogy, but like when I was going through it, that was always in the back of my head. I'm like, I'm not going to stop dating a chick because she cheats on me. So like, why would I stop trying to build a company because like some <laughs> didn't work out one time? You know what I mean? So yeah. keep going. It's definitely well, well worth it. I love it. I love it. So Eddie. For those that want to be able to connect with you, where would you want people to go? Your socials, anything like that? Instagram, Eddie Maloof. Just the way it's spelled on this podcast, that's all it is. Should be linked somewhere below, I'm sure. Love it. We'll see you guys in the next episode.